Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. Mother's Quest founder, Julie Neal, honors the magic, mess, and meaning of parenthood. And she believes our children challenge us to grow into our best selves. I agree. She's on a mission to live a truly epic life and through her example, inspire her children to do the same. As the parent of two neurodivergent children and with the discovery of her own ADHD diagnosis at the age of 50, she knows what it's like to hit a few bumps in the road. Her four-purpose venture, Mother's Quest, provides inspiration, coaching, and relationship building so that mothers and those who work with young people can connect to support and resources, fulfill their unique purpose, and live their epic lives. I cannot wait to share Julie with you. I know you're going to love our conversation. We dive into what it means to be a neurodivergent mom of neurodivergent kiddos and so much more. Enjoy it. Hi, and welcome back to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel, and today we have the pleasure of welcoming Julie Neal to the podcast. Welcome, Julie. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you, Isabel. I said to you when we hopped on Zoom together that this is my favorite thing to do to be in conversation. So thank you for the invitation. I'm really honored and I'm excited to see what we explore together. I call this jumping in the sister soup. So we're going to just have so much fun right off the bat. I'm already just tingling with excitement uh, because Julie and my work is so incredibly aligned and we don't really even know each other yet. So it's just, it's just so exciting. So before we do dive in, Julie, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell them a little bit about who you are, how you show up in the world, including in your role as mom. And then also the question I ask all of my guests is what does empowerment mean to you? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm Julie Neal and I live in the San Francisco Bay Area and I am many things, wear many hats. At my heart, I'm a connector and a community builder. I'm also a fellow podcaster and a writer and definitely mom is one of the key parts of my identity. I have two boys. Um, one is 18 and a freshman in college and the other is 10 and in fourth grade. They are both neurodivergent in different ways. And I learned myself that I have ADHD. Uh, I got the diagnosis a little over a year ago. So I like to say we are a neurospicy family, except for my very neurotypical husband and Bernadoodle pup. And my boys definitely keep me on my toes and have been the source of a tremendous amount of personal learning and growth and definitely led me onto my path of creating Mother's Quest, which I can share more about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of our listeners are going to relate to having neurodivergent kids. I too am a mama of a neurodivergent kid. Oh. 
probably have some neurodivergencies myself. Um, so let's go down that path as mom to some kids that may not fit into a box. And as someone who doesn't fit into a box yourself, how does that impact one's identity once there is that that diagnosis? How did that impact your identity? And then if you want to talk about it, how did that impact your son's identities? It's a really complex conversation and so deeply personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess to start with myself, I would say that my whole life, I definitely had certain strengths and certain struggles. I always had the ability to, what I now know the word is hyper-focus on things that I felt very passionate about or that I was really interested in. I could do a deep dive. I'm an amazing researcher. Um, And I could also really channel whatever it is that I needed to do if I was in the zone. So I remember in college, my roommates laughing that it would be like total mayhem all around me. And I would be sitting there typing my paper and I could get it done. But -hmm. I could also only usually get it done if it was like at the last hour. So I had a lot of trouble starting initiating work early. But if there was an urgent deadline, I could just like get right into where I needed to be. But I required that urgency. I also was a fairly easy kid. I didn't get into trouble a lot, but I joke that when I did get into trouble, it was always because I was late, I lost something, or I was spilling things on my clothes. We had a lot of hand-me-down clothes that we would pass to a family friend and like every single item had stuff all over it. So, you know, kind of some of these traits of not always paying attention Mm -hmm. um, and not having a good sense of time. Um, these were things that were with me my whole life and everybody would just kind of joke that, oh, you know, Julie's just always late or she always procrastinates. But as I learned more about, um, ADHD in particular, because of, um, my son's journeys, I really began to recognize that these were not just personality quirks and also not just necessarily my fault that I couldn't get it together, Mm -hmm. but that I was differently wired in some ways that gave me strengths and also brought some challenges. So I would say getting the diagnosis for me um, felt empowering back Mm -hmm. to that word about empowerment, because I could better understand myself. Mm -hmm. uh, And I also could begin to figure out what are some tools or strategies or people that can help me based on my particular differences and walking the line between how not to create an excuse for myself um, and continue to allow things that are challenging, just be challenges and just write it off as well. It's just because I have ADHD and finding the, and finding the ways where in a place of empowerment, I can acknowledge these things that are challenging and start to try to find ways to make these things easier in my life is something I'm still very much in the midst of. And that is, that's a challenging dance in itself. Yeah, thank you for speaking to that too. Um, And to take us back to the empowering question, I think some would fear that having a diagnosis would be disempowering because it would make us feel like there's something wrong with us. And I heard you say the exact opposite, that having that label was actually empowering. Can you say a little bit more about that? I can. And I feel like that leads um, 
very well into sharing a little bit about my oldest son's journey. Um, so my oldest son, Ryan, is a freshman at UCLA, and he was diagnosed with autism when he was 18 months old. So at a very early age, I think the earliest at that point that um, psychologists would even diagnose a child, he was identified. And we began all kinds of intensive intervention, much of which was very supportive for him. Um, and some of which is more controversial today. And I'm not sure that I would have done in the same way with what I know now. And by the age of five, I would say that he was mostly functioning like his typical peers, which was the goal at the time. And, um, he knew that he had various challenges. He knew he was in therapy. He, you know, he knew the details of some of a lot of the aspects of his life and the diagnosis, but we chose not to share the label. And at the time, we even wondered if that label still fit him. And I knew in my mind that at some point we would share everything with him. And um, just before his 13th birthday, there was a day that came where he came home from school. He was really upset because he had gotten into an argument with one of his good friends that really, when we peeled away the layers of the onion, was about him missing a social cue and not understanding a nuance. And he was in tears and just saying, like, why don't I get this? Because I was able to explain it to him. And he, he said, I didn't see that at all. And why don't I get this? And I just knew in my mom instinct heart that that was the moment to share the label. Um, and his first experience of the label was one of relief and empowerment. And I, you know, I, I think we didn't want him to feel defined negatively by the label. And that was part of why we chose not to share it earlier in his journey but looking back, I, do, I don't think I would do that again. And the other thing is that when he was younger, most of the guidance that we got, if not all, actually, I would say all the guidance that we got were from people who are neurotypical or, you know, quote, experts. Um, and we had absolutely no autistic role models or people who were therapists or um you know, service providers who were neurodivergent or autistic themselves. And so we did not know what their perspective or experience was. We couldn't connect Ryan to other people that were like him. And I think that's really changed. There's really a neurodiversity movement. And, you know, in the after Ryan learned about his diagnosis and began researching more, um, I had the opportunity to interview Asia Ray for my podcast, which is an episode we can link. She mm -hmm. is um, autistic and does these beautiful book curations, which um, your community may be interested in about different social justice topics. Um, she came on the podcast and she was really the first person that started to shift my thinking a lot. And then since then, I've had the opportunity to do a lot more learning to connect Ryan to other amazing mentors. Um, Chris Spinello is an author who's autistic that writes um, books with neurodivergent uh, characters as the um, protagonists, superheroes. Um, also, shoot, hold on just one second. Mm -hmm. I have an alarm going off. I don't know why. Um, also, uh, I was able to interview Jonathan Mooney for my podcast. He's the author of the book Normal Sex. 
he has dyslexia and ADHD. And then Ryan and he did a follow-up episode where Ryan got to interview him Mm -hmm. and talk about how you can thrive in college as a neurodiverse, neurodivergent student. So our collective thinking has shifted um, this ability to learn from other autistic voices is much more available and possible now. And, you know, I think it's not simple. Ryan is in his very own complex journey of moving towards self-acceptance and using his voice for advocacy. So I don't want to give the impression that it's easy, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of potential and promise in better understanding ourselves and seeing that the label can help us find out how we can better navigate the world, but also how we can use our voices to help make the world more inclusive. And what I hear you saying is there is room for these kids. Yeah. And I think we have to make space. Um, That is definitely one of the things I was thinking about as I was reflecting on this word empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know at some point, and maybe it's in your intro or your outro, you say empowerment is an inside job. Yeah. And absolutely, that's the case. Um, we have to find our own connection to ourselves and our own voice and our own power within. And I think we also all have a responsibility to figure out when we have power, what we're doing to share that power, what we're doing to bring other people to the table and make space for other voices and other conversations. So another thing I'm really excited to, to share is that my father-in-law, um, David Neal, has been really open to learning about his neurodivergent grandchildren and um, decided on his 80th birthday that he wanted to create a fund um, or seed a fund. We're also accepting donations for the fund to support uh, neurodivergent young people. And so Ryan actually came home last weekend from UCLA. And we had our first committee meeting and began talking about what matters to us. And the working name at the moment for the fund is the Youth Neurodiversity Empowerment Fund. And our goal is really to make contributions that are going to help um, autistic and other neurodivergent young people to be able to connect to their power um, and use their power. And some of that may be around advocacy and changing policies and making more space. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that work. I really see you uh, paving a road that others can find an easier way down. So thank you for that. And now I want to transition over to the path of motherhood and how you talked about, yes, empowerment is an inside job, and yet we can still be there for one another and we can offer that hand up or that um, support. I'd love to hear how that has been for you in your life on a personal level. And then how does that relate to the work that you do with other women? Absolutely. <clears throat> well, I've already shared that my motherhood journey started 18 months in with a autism diagnosis. Uh, so from fairly early on, I was deep in advocacy and support mode, trying to figure out how to, how to help Ryan become the best version of Ryan that he could be. Um, 
when we were ready to try to have a second child, I ended up having five and a half years of infertility. And then our second child, Jacob, who's 10, um, was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of four, and then in second grade with dyslexia and dysgraphia. So I would say that what happened in my journey was it challenged and pushed me to find areas of strength I never knew I had and was deeply fulfilling. And I also really felt like I got swallowed up in the role of mother. And even though I was always a very mission-driven person, um, I got my graduate degree in community development. I had a 15-plus year career in youth development community building and was doing powerful work. I still felt like I kind of looked up one day and felt like, what happened to my life? (laughs) So much of my energy and my focus had really been devoted to my older child, to getting pregnant and caring for my second child. And so this name, Mother's Quest, was with me for quite a number of years because I felt like I was on the quest Mm -hmm. to figure out how can I be a present and powerful mom, which was such a huge part of my identity and my priority, but also how could I reclaim my own life in many ways? Mm-hmm. And there are, uh, there's quite a bit of story around how I eventually said yes to this name and this mission that was with me. Um, and it's, it's told in my episode zero zero of my podcast and it involves two birds that got trapped in my house and quite a spiritual story, which I think that you would love. Mm-hmm. But, um, there came a day when I realized I could no longer allow the whispers to continue without saying yes to myself. And I essentially opened the door for myself, stepped in with a, from a sense of empowerment and said, I'm going to make this thing happen. And um, a huge premise of, of Mother's Quest was this idea that as mothers, we don't have to be on this journey by ourselves. And that if I was searching for something, it was very likely that there were other mothers that would be looking for something similar and that I could create a podcast um, and a Facebook community and coaching programs. And now I also have an inspiration guide and a planner. It's grown in lots of different beautiful ways, but that if those things were meaningful to me and might provide support to me, then they could also be of service and meaningful to other people. So at living an epic life became this grounding framework for myself and that I could share with others And it is both a metaphor for this idea of stepping back into being the author of our own story or um, from a a stage perspective, you know, stepping into center stage when sometimes Mm -hmm. we feel like we're always behind the scenes. Um, And then EPIC is also an acronym mnemonic for the guideposts that I think help us to live that life when we're raising our kids. So the podcast episodes and coaching programs and the planner and all these things are really anchored in these epic guideposts. Mm, okay. You have our curiosity. <laughs> Tell us what the acronym stands for. Um, so the acronym uh, also came in kind of a magical way. It was swirling around in my head for a long time where I was trying to express what I was really after. And then my night owl ways at the kitchen table with a napkin and a pen. I wrote EPIC. And then I was like, I wonder if these these four letters could capture all the things I feel like I'm on a quest for. And then it came straight out. So Mm -hmm. E is about being engaged mindfully with our kids, which I think is 
are often our first impulse and priority and so close to our heart. So it makes sense that it's the first letter. Mm-hmm. P is uh, passion and purpose. And this is about the impact that we are here to make beyond our family. I is invested in ourselves. And that's the guidepost where, you know, things that help us in our growth and learning or bring us joy and, and fulfillment and fun all that shows up there. And then C is about connected to a strong support network so that we remember we do not have to be alone on this journey. Mm. We could spend a whole hour more, obviously, on each of these. So my we heart, we could, and you know, <laughs> weeks on each of these. So my heart is being drawn towards the P, mm. purpose and passion. What does that even mean? Like, why be, why have that as a pillar of your work? Well, so much of of what I've created, as I mentioned, has really come from what I have been yearning for, what I've been on a quest for. And as I mentioned, as a very mission-driven person who, you know, I chose right out of college, a career path that was about contribution and impact. So for that to have been such a core part of who I am and then to feel like I had somehow lost sight of it had me feeling really incomplete um, in living my epic life. Um, So I I feel like it makes a lot of sense that it's the next letter in that acronym because Mm -hmm. I think once we know that we are paying attention to and caring and being thoughtful in our relationship with our children – I think often, especially for women like us that care about contribution, that's the next place we want to go. And we want to be able to feel like we're building a legacy that um, I often have this image of like when I'm on a porch with grandchildren, that I can tell them the stories of the things that I did that I feel like made the difference and um, where I didn't let fear get in my way. And the other thing about passionate, purposeful impact that's really important is that I know many of us want the same thing for our kids. We want them to feel like they can pursue a meaningful life and choose a career path that feels um, like it's something they're uniquely suited to do and that brings them a sense of fulfillment. And I always learn that our kids learn from us so much more by the example that we set than the things that we tell them. So one of the surest ways to help our kids feel like they can pursue their passion and um, purpose is for us to demonstrate that ourselves and to engage them in it and allow them to see us in that. So there have been so many really incredible opportunities through the years. It's like six plus years now since I launched Mother's Quest where I've been able to demonstrate that and even sometimes bring my kids along. Mm-hmm. So can you give an, a, like a before and after example of whether it was you or someone you've worked with, this before picture of not having the sense of purpose and passion and impact, and then an after picture of what that looks and maybe even feels like on the other side? Mm, I love that. One of my favorite examples is actually my very first coaching client. Um, And there's definitely an autism thread here because um, she's a mom that I met because she has a child who's a very similar age as Ryan, who's also autistic. The thing about autism is it's a huge spectrum. So while Ryan is, you know, highly um, verbal with spoken words and is in college, her son um, is non-speaking and has much higher support needs. 
And when we first started working together before even Mother's Quest was born, um, she was working full time in a corporate environment. She was really worried about the future for her son. And we did a future self um, meditation, which is a core part of my coaching um, process. And in that, she was able to envision that she wanted to create a foundation where she could support other families and children um, with autism, but also other special needs. Um, Her husband was from the Philippines, and she had this vision for them creating a resort in the Philippines. And with like a large pool at the center, because her son loved to swim, where they could employ people of all kinds of abilities and where eventually her son could be well taken care of. And this was just a long-term, super dreamy dream of hers. And then over the course of the next, I think it was like five, six years, she actually made all of that real. Mm. And uh, now we've continued to work together and we've done some great things. We've, we've spoken and done a, a workshop at a, um, a corporation in the San Francisco Bay area. Um, she recently left, she was working still part-time and she recently decided to retire from that corporate job and devote herself full-time to her foundation, her foundation, which is called Phoenixia. And um, COVID definitely disrupted some of what they were doing with the resort, but now she was able to go back. Um, when she goes back, she brings with her occupational therapists and speech therapists and people who could diagnose and families come with their children, many of them on boats um, from all over the area, and they get access to diagnosis and um, resources and support. She mm-hmm. has hired people um, with different diagnoses to work at the resort. I mean, she's really a total badass inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love, I love to share her story because um, there are so many women like that who feel like they have to kind of for a little while compromise their contribution. They have a child who has a lot of needs, but when sometimes we can figure out how that journey is actually fuel for a much bigger vision. And she has really made that happen. And the seed that we can plant when we're in um, community or in connection with other women who are willing to see us in our brightest light rather than um, allow us to just fight for the limiting beliefs or what other people might feel sorry for us around. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I I love the sea in Epic Mm -hmm. uh, because there are so many ways that we can support one another and champion one another. And um, we can really become inspired by one another's stories and one another's vulnerabilities, because a lot of us struggle with similar things. And when we are able to say them out loud and be Mm -hmm. in our truth, we give other people permission to do the same. Yeah. They begin to mirror back to us what we're experiencing on the inside. Right. And then we don't feel as alone as we did before. Yes. Yeah. Let us know how our listeners can learn more about you and the community that you create. Mm, Thank you for that question. Um, So a great place to land initially is to visit mothersquest.com. There are a lot of resources there um, and uh, show notes from the almost 100 episodes now that I've recorded with 
Thank you. With so many incredible change-making mothers and a few fathers. Um, you can also find the Mother's Quest podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. Um, and you can find those show notes again at mothersquest.com slash podcast. Um, I have a free Facebook group with so many incredible women there. And we have regular weekly threads that get you thinking and reflecting. And Wednesday is one of my favorite threads because it's a connection thread. And so um, if you wanted Isabel to share your podcast mm-hmm. episode links or any invitations you have for people or something you're struggling with and that you're looking for, that Wednesday thread is a great place to do it. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at Mother's Quest Pod. I'm quite active on Facebook. Uh, there's a Mother's Quest page, but also my personal profile, which is Julie Lieberman Neal, uh, is also a great place to stay connected with me. Mm, wonderful. Thank you so much. So before we close, is there any last little tidbit that you want to share? Mm, I love that. Um, well, yeah, I would say that the P in Epic and helping yes helping mothers step more fully into their purpose and passion Mm -hmm. is something that as the years have progressed, I have been focusing more and more on. And um, I created another acronym mnemonic for impact that I love. And it maps to a coaching process that can help um, mothers really begin to step more fully into their impact. And it's a six month process. And I have already um, tested it with a few clients and I'm wanting to expand that. So if you or anybody who are listening um, are interested or know somebody that's really looking for a guide to help them clarify and move more fully into their impact, I am really wanting to find more of those, more of those moms. And I love that Rumi quote, um, what you seek is seeking you. Mm. So thank you for the space to name that. And I'll Mm -hmm. trust that possibly somebody who's hearing this conversation might be seeking the support and can reach out to me. Yes. And we'll leave links to all of those in the notes as well. Wonderful. Okay, Julie, last question. I would love for you to just leave our listeners with an invitation for a next empowering action, something Mm. tangible that they can take um, based on our conversation today. Well, one of my favorite words in the world is reflection. And my theme for this year, I always choose some words to guide me, is about making space. Uh, So it is hard to step into your power. um, And I am definitely, I struggle with this myself. When we are so busy Mm -hmm. um, and constantly moving and constantly stimulated and scrolling, it's hard to connect to that. Um, Mm -hmm. if we don't make space. And I think when we make space for reflection in particular, whether that is through journaling or meditation or going on a walk or talking with a friend or being in conversation or even sometimes listening to a podcast because it can spark so much for us. um, I, I just think that that can be an incredible key to unlocking more of what we really care about. And that is also something that I have created some um, processes and experiences for more reflection. I love to do this, um, what I call a virtual milestone hike, which is Mm -hmm. something I think you and I were connecting about in my Facebook group. Um, It's beautiful to do at the beginning of chapters or the beginning of a calendar year. 
And I have a process that I can lead you through. Uh, but you can also create your own where you really mark milestones and create space for your own reflection um, through either a metaphorical hike, which is what I do on the virtual, or taking yourself on a hike and using that process of ascending and descending a summit to really give yourself space to think about what, where you are in your life and what matters. Well, I am certainly looking forward to making some space to join you on a hike. So I just want to invite our listeners to write it down, write it down right now, find a pen or a, and a piece of paper and write down what you will do, even if it's just one tiny little baby step towards creating um, some extra space in your life that you maybe otherwise wouldn't have created. Mm, I love Thanks that you so do much, that. Thanks so much, Julie. That's beautiful. Until next time. Yes. Bye. Thank you, Isabel. That's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you. You.